1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Tuesday, September the 7th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 7, 1977, the the Panama Canal Treaties, calling for the U.S. to eventually turn over control of the waterway to Panama, they were signed in Washington by President Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. His name could have been Joe Biden, but It was Jimmy Carter. No, I think maybe not. Maybe Joe Biden does not reach the level of competency that Jimmy Carter displayed while in the White House. But Jimmy Carter and the Panamanian leader, Omar Torrijos, they signed the deal today in 1977. Today in 1812, the Battle of Borodino took place as French troops clashed with Russian forces outside Moscow the battle ultimately was won by Russia, but it was and it was commemorated by composer Peter Tchaikovsky. We know it as the eighteen twelve Overture. Today, nineteen forty, Nazi Germany began its eight-month blitz on Britain, first air attack on London. More would come. Today in nineteen seventy two, the International Olympic Committee banned Vince Matthews and Wayne Collette. You may not remember their names, but You may remember what they did. They were from the U.S. They were banned from further uh, competition in the 1972 Olympics because they were talking to each other on the victory stand in Munich during the playing of the Star Spangled Banner after they had won gold and silver medals in the 400-meter run. Pause on that for a moment and think about it. 1972, almost 50 years ago, they were punished, severely punished. With They were taken out of the competition because they were talking to one another during the Star-Spangled Banner. Is that inappropriate? Of course it is. But think what they do today, and no one dares raise a word. They turn their back on the crowd or the camera or whatever during the Star-Spangled Banner. They raise their fists in the air with clenched fists, All of this in 50 years. We'll talk about some of the root causes of those kinds of actions today. Today, in 1986, Desmond Tutu was installed as the first black clergyman to lead the Anglican Church in South Africa. Today, in 2007, Osama bin Laden, he appeared in a video for the first time in about three years. He was telling Americans that they should convert to Islam if they want the war in Iraq to end. Today in 2008, troubled mortgage giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they were placed in government conservatorship. Today in 2015, Associated Press was interviewing Hillary Clinton. They asked her about this whole matter of her having the United States government server for the State Department in her closet in her private home. She said, well, she said, I don't see a problem with it, because she said, I don't think I should in any way be punished, and I don't think I should have to give any kind of an account or an apology. She said, I was just doing what is allowed. That pretty pretty well sums up the Clintons. They'll do anything that they feel is allowed. One year ago today, one year ago today, about 80% of a small eastern Washington farming community named Malden was leveled by flames from a fast-moving wildfire. Many of you may not remember that. You may not even know about it, but the folks in Malden do, and just wanted you to know out there that we're thinking of you. You're still in our prayers. That's some of the things that happened today in history. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, And behold, this day, Joshua was giving his speech, his kind of his going away speech. And he said, And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. We won't get into what that means, but I think you know what that means. I'm going the way of all the earth, and ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls, that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke unto you concerning you, all are come to pass unto you. Not one thing hath failed thereof. He would go on in a fairly lengthy discussion with the people that he had led for so long, had been so victorious, such an outstanding example of leadership. But Joshua continued, And in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, these are probably more familiar to most of us. He said, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods in which your fathers served were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. Then he said this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is kind of a but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord time in history as well. As far as I know, I'm not going anywhere. But I just wanted to put that truth out there in front of us today, because eventually all of us will go the way of the earth. But this is a time for us to stand and really decide, whom do we trust? Whom do we serve? I think maybe the days of just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, and that's kind of socially acceptable in most circles, because we're kind of a Christian nation. That may be over. I'm not saying we're going down the tube. I don't mean this in doom and gloom. I'm just saying things are changing. And the unwise, uninformed person is going to be caught off guard. There is a a concerted effort to destroy the very foundations of this nation. And those foundations, whether you like it or not, were based on Scripture, upon the same truth that Joshua was, was talking about all those years ago that we're now reading and contemplating. This nation was based on those truths that he's talking about here because they're God's eternal truth. Heaven and earth passes away, but God and his word will never pass away. He's eternal. And we if we're in step with God and his truth In his word, then we are where we should be. But if we're looking over our shoulder at the gods before the flood, or the gods of this earth, the elitist, the philosophies that are put forward to our children as young as five years old, four years old, in preschool and kindergarten, if we begin to look at those gods, and we begin to allow ourselves to be kind of caught up in that stream of changing, that stream of transformation or remaking, as they like to call it, the culture, we will find ourselves lost in serving another God because the culture today and those in power today, I don't care how many times they tell us they're devout Catholics or Protestants or whatever, they aren't. They don't even adhere to what their church, in the case of the president and the Speaker of the House, the Catholic Church, they don't even adhere to what the Catholic Church claims to believe and advocate, life itself and so on, as opposed to death and abortion. They don't even believe that. In fact, they not only believe differently in their heart, but they push their agenda. Now, from the most powerful office in the world, the Presidency of the United States, the Resolute Desk. Those are the times in which we live, but fear not, for I am with thee. God has said he will not forsake us, but that same God has said we must be informed, we must know what's going on in our world. I noticed today... That they have decided, finally, in Virginia, one of our oldest colonies, 130-year-old statue of Civil War General Robert E. Lee that dominates this big traffic circle, a big roundabout there in Richmond. I've seen this. It's it's pretty impressive, really, as far as art goes. Well, it'll, it'll fall tomorrow. They're taking it down, tearing it down. It's been there for 130 years. General Robert E. Lee. Well, that stands for slavery. Well, it may, but it's also part of our history. I'm not pro-slavery. I have a lot of black friends, and they know where I'm coming from. Been all over Africa, living with those people and building churches with them and helping spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I got an email from a guy in Africa this morning. I think he's wanting me to raise some money for him. I'm not sure, but I'll get back to him later. I'm not not pro-slavery. But I am pro-history. A country that does not know where they've been is going to have a very difficult time finding their way as far as where they're going. And that's exactly what the left wants. They want to get rid of history. The governor is rejoicing today. He's celebrating it, Governor Ralph Northam. Remember Governor Ralph Northam, who is celebrating the fact you're going to tear down this big monument with... Robert E. Lee uh, mounted on a horse, you know, it's it's big, it's great art. I mean, it's tremendous. And it's a part of our history. We don't agree with what Robert E. Lee represented. We don't believe in slavery. We don't believe any man should own another man. But good grief, you got to have, I mean, can you, do you just destroy everything you don't believe in, everything that may have existed at some time? In the name of equity? I don't think so, but that's where we are today. So down comes this big statue in this monument. Governor Ralph Northam, he is celebrating today. He says, Virginia's largest monument to Confederate insurrection comes down this week. That'll be tomorrow. He said, this is an important step in showing who we are and what we value as a commonwealth. That caught my attention this morning because I have a Pretty good mind on these kinds of things. I remember stuff that we talked about on this program. And we did talk about this back in 2019. Seems like yesterday, doesn't it? But back in 2019. Governor Northam is a medical doctor as well. He's about as far left as anybody. He makes Hillary Clinton almost look like a moderate. He's a medical doctor. He was on WTOP. It's a big radio station. Covers Washington, D.C. It's very famous in the area a lot of people listen to it it's actually i think their studios are in alexandria which is just across the river but it's in it's in virginia but anyway he was on a talk show there in the morning back in 2019 i looked this up so i get the quote right he was telling these people they were considering late-term abortion legalizing it in virginia and he was of course pushing for that the same guy that wants to destroy history is wants to destroy babies that are unwanted as well, the medical doctor himself. Anyway, he was on the air, and here's what he said. I I pulled this quote this morning. This is why uh, decisions such as this should be made by providers, physicians, and mothers and fathers that are involved, this Dr. Northam, who is also governor. He's talking about late-term abortion. He said, when we talk about third-trimester abortions, Uh, these are done with the consent of, obviously, the mother, with the consent of the physician. More than one physician, by the way. It's done in cases where there may be several deformities. There may be a fetus that's non-viable and so on. He was either unaware of what his bill, their bill in that state, the far left was pushing, including himself, or he was just lying because the legislation explicitly removed the current requirement of three physicians that he's talking about here. And it... it It took away the, it removed the requirement that a woman is in need of a late-term abortion for some medical problem. It just took that away. It was all a matter of choice, just what you want. You want to kill the baby and it's fully viable? I mean, it's ready to be born? No, you can go ahead and do that. The new bill would require only the consent of the mother and the physician performing the abortion, not three other. So the abortion doctor obviously is going to like say, yeah, it's a good idea because that's how he earns all of his money. So anyway, this guy's on there, this governor, he's on there lying to the people, or or he's just uninformed. I don't know which. But he went on to say this. He said, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. He is a medical doctor. So people listening up, lots of them. He said, quote, the infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired, And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Well, the baby would be made comfortable before they kill it while it's laid on a table. This is called progress. It's elitism. It's choice. It's women's health care. It is a lie from hell. The governor added that he thinks this fervor over the bill And the comments that are being made are really, I'm quoting him, really blown out of proportion. If killing a born baby on a table after you've discussed it to decide whether you want that human being or not, if that's blown out of, I mean, people objecting to it, if that's blowing out of proportion, I don't know what proportion would be to this doctor. God help us. We're falling behind in so many different areas in America. I, I, it bothers me. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be cynical. I don't think I am. I don't want to be. I ask God to help me because I know a lot about what's going on, and a lot of it isn't positive. And I don't want you to be cynical. And I don't want anyone to be overcome by all this stuff that's going on. And that's why we begin and end in the Word here, because the Word of God is our, our strong fortress, our rock on which we stand. But boy, U.S. public education is so falling and failing. We're now behind China in the most important disciplines of education, STEM. I'll talk a little bit about that. Three leading U.S. mathematicians, they came to the U.S. as young immigrants because they were attracted by the unmatched quality and the openness of American universities. They're now sounding the alarm here. This is their country. They love America. They came from somewhere else. 1st I mean, they moved here as kids, as young people, because they, they thought the great opportunity. They didn't come for religious freedom, although that may have been a part of it. They don't mention that. And they're in different universities now as professors, and together they wrote this article. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. They say United States public education prioritizes diversity over merit, and China does not, and therefore China is leading in the most important disciplines of education, STEM as it's called, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. These guys are mathematics geniuses, and they teach in some of our leading universities, Now I'll get to that in a moment. But the cost of so-called equity, equal outcome rather than equal opportunity, is killing our nation. And these guys who are first generation, they're foreign born, but they're here, they've adopted this country, they love this country, and they're saying, man, this is the wrong path. The experts begin with this in their article. They say, all three of us are mathematicians who came to the United States as young immigrants. Having been attracted by the unmatched quality of openness of American universities, we came as many others before and after with nothing more than a good education and a strong desire to succeed. They quote a guy named David Hilbert. He's well-known in academic circles, not so much outside, I guess, but anyway, he famously said mathematics knows no races or geographic boundaries for mathematics. The cultural world is one country having built our, careers in U.S. academia, we are proud to call ourselves American mathematicians. So this guy was kind of a globalist when it comes to mathematics, but he makes the point, and they make the point by quoting him. But these three concerned mathematicians, I'm not sure I can pronounce all their names properly, but one of them is Percy Deft, professor at New York University. The other is Savitlana. I can't even come close to pronouncing the last name. It's with Georgia Institute of Technology and Sergei, Uh Kleinterman at Princeton University, all well-known in their field. Their article is titled, As U.S. Schools Prioritize Diversity Over Merit, China is Becoming the World's STEM Leader. It was published, as I said, in Quillette, which is more of a trade type. I mean, people in education are kind of, they read it. Most of us don't. But they note that the U.S. has been dominant in the mathematical sciences since the mass exodus of European scientists back in the 1930s. They were moving into another, more enlightenment at that time. These guys don't go into that. But anyway, they say U.S. leadership in math has supplied our country with an enormous strategic advantage. They say continuing, they note that, but for various reasons, three that they mentioned, They believe that the U.S. is now at risk of losing our dominant position in the world. We are giving away what we have been given. They don't get into the spiritual part of it, but it is a spiritual matter. The first thing they mention is the most obvious, the deplorable state of our K-12. They call it that, deplorable state of our K-12 math education system. They say far too many American public school children are prepared for careers and are not prepared for careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, STEM, This leaves us, they say, increasingly dependent on a constant flow of foreign talent, especially from mainland China, Taiwan, South Korea, and India. They're deeply concerned about China. The others, not so much because they're friendly toward America. China is not. They say in our field, mathematics, we find that at most top departments in the United States, at least two-thirds of the faculty are foreign-born. These guys are foreign-born, but they're pointing out they're loyal to America. They love America. And they're pointing out how those that are not loyal to America are undermining the very foundations of our nation. The second reason they give is, they say, the national focus on social justice and diversity in K-12 through schools is of great concern. They say, no matter how well-intentioned, I'm quoting them, this approach creates more, not less racial discrimination. And they go into how that works, and I don't have time to go into it, but they make the case with facts, but they point that out. They said, social justice and diversity in in our schools here is not making things better, it's making things worse. It's accomplishing what they say they're trying to overcome, racism and all that kind of thing they're getting a negative or a reverse result. These experts explain the irony that's associated with stats such as California that tout their efforts against racist math. I talked about racist math on this program here a while back because it became an issue and it pretty much was birthed in California, but they're talking about it all around the country now. I mean, math, how, and I was asking the question then, you know, dumb me, how can math be racist? But they have found a way to make it that. So these guys point this out, and they say this, quote, the social justice rhetoric used to justify these diversity, equity, and inclusion, that too has an acronym, DEI, programs, is often completed, completely at odds with reality that one observes on campuses. They continue, quote, The concept of fighting white supremacy in particular doesn't apply apply to the math field since American-born scholars of all races now collectively represent a small and diminishing minority of the country's academic STEM specialists. They say, quote, in order to achieve what they call equity in math education, the framework would effectively close the main pathway to calculus in high school to all students except those who take extra math outside of high school, which ultimately leads to putting your kids in a charter school, a private school, or homeschooling. These math experts are deeply concerned, not from a spiritual point of view, but from an educational point of view, about what they view as a destructive pattern, even, they say, at the national level. They point out the fact that our institutions, I'm quoting, such as Dr. Fauci's National Institutes of Health and others are supplanting scientific excellence with diversity as the determining factor for eligibility in regard to prizes and other distinctions like awards and like grants to study, etc., Observing the, quote, constant stream of ill-advised and dumbed-down reforms that have pervaded American public schools, the math scholars describe them as having, quote, served to degrade the teaching of mathematics to such an extent that it has become difficult to distinguish a student who is capable from one who is not. They go on to express great concern about China. They say young students in China are surpassing their American counterparts in math already, The latest verified figures are from 2018, and they mentioned them, and I will quote them. In 2018, international testing of 15-year-olds in mathematics, China ranked first in proficiency, while the United States ranked 25th. You know why? Because our kids were being taught how to be look at their navel and see if they're transgender and the little boys figuring out if they're little girls and the little girls trying to figure out if they're little boys. That's what's going on in America today. And that's why parents need to wake up. You need to read your Bible and you need to take a hard look at who is educating your children and what they're telling them. China did and China's communist for goodness sakes. I would think that the Christian thread that's still in America could stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this education is not taking us toward serving the Lord. It's taking us away from serving the Lord, and it's destroying our country in the process. That's where we are today. National Assessment of Educational Progress, NAEP, they're known as the nation's report card. They showed no progress, those are their words, on their latest report over the past 10 years. Other words, we're going backward and we're in the hands of the progressives who are always saying we're making progress. We live in a very, very troubling time in regards to who's educating our children and what they're teaching them. Oregon's Governor Kate Brown probably became the symbol of idiocy. Talking about mathematics. Last month, the Wall Street Journal edited editorial board wrote a lot about it. But Kate Brown signed a a bill on uh, July 14, but she didn't allow it to become public until two weeks later. I talked about that on this program. The new law that Brown signed suspends until 2024 the state requirements for all of the state of Oregon that kids demonstrate proficiency in reading, writing, and math to graduate from high school. The reason for this suspension? The insanity of trying to create equal outcome. It's called equity by those who lead our children. The Wall Street Journal said the purpose of public education is to provide students with the skills they need to succeed in the world. But he said the price that we pay in the real world is that our high schools have defrauded them into thinking they have a real education. Pretty strong from the Wall Street Journal, but it's so true. The parable that Jesus taught of the talents tells us that we are responsible and we are to act on what we have. And I think this is the time for action. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.